January 26, 2020 is the day that someone said what I've been thinking for years now, and that someone was Tyler, the Creator. After winning Best Rap Album for Igor at the 62nd Annual Grammy Awards, Tyler told the media exactly how he felt in the press room. I'm going to need coffee for this. Oh shit, we recording? What's up? Welcome to episode 11 of My Name is Daryl. Damn, it's been a year that I've had this podcast since episode 11. If only I wasn't in a creative block. I'm going to keep it real with y'all. I wasn't in a creative block. I was just being trash. And I guess that happens, right? We're all human. But let's get to the subject at hand here. So this is a little old, obviously, but, you know, it's quarantine, so everything's relevant. But in January, uh, you know, they had the 62nd Annual Grammy Awards, and Tyler, the creator, was given an award. Was, he won the award for Best Rap Album. Now, that wouldn't sound weird if you didn't know who Tyler, the creator, was. Because if you first hear him, maybe you might think he's a rapper. But I've been following Tyler since I was in my sophomore, junior year of high school. And I'll be the first to tell you, He's much more than a rapper, and this album specifically is the most non-rap album he's ever made. If anything, and this is just me being honest, it's more soul in a very odd way, or more of a soul, poppy, neo-soul album in a very long stretch than it is anywhere near rap, and that's a stretch alone. But anyway, Tyler said, it sucks that whenever we, and I mean guys that look like me, do anything that's genre bending or that's anything they always put it in a rap or urban category. I don't like that urban word. It's just a politically correct way to say the N-word to me. So when I hear that, I think, why can't it just be in pop? And he's right. To be honest, like I said, his album is already eclectic enough. It's already different enough to not be rap. And it has maybe one rap in it. But even without that, why is it that when any time a black person, a black woman, or a black man goes out and makes an album that has some drums in it every now and then, or maybe it's filled with drums, but you know it's not rap, they find a way to squeeze it into the black categories, like, well, rap. Or they'll give that good old new marketing term, which it isn't new, but the one they love to use, urban. I hate when they say, we're going after the urban market. When a company's, you know, trying to find a way to get black people to go to buy this shit. Or they say, you know, our urban sector, just say black folks. Or might as well just say niggas. Because if I'm going to keep it 100 with you, it's already weird that you're going after us specifically and you're, at, you're not actually offering us anything tangible. You're just trying to get us to buy your bullshit. And unfortunately, we fall for that. Like most people, like most Americans, we love some sappy bullshit. It's our favorite thing when we, when someone says, hey, we made this just for you. And you know damn well they didn't. Or even when they don't say they made it just for you. But the ad is real, you know, <laughs> shuck and jive, deedly do 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 You know, just for black folks, we added a rap to it type shit. Yeah, we know that it's for us. But honestly, I don't buy into that shit no more. If you do, that's fine. But like I said, that urban category, is that urban word... Just say black folks. You might as well just say the N-word. Anyway, the que- <laughs> to go back to what I was talking about. With Tyler, the question was rhetorical. Tyler knows that 
himself, he answered the question already. He knows that it is just a politically correct way to say black people music, or whatever makeshift term they're using at the time. <laughs> but they don't want to give us any other genres. They know that, you know, in their heads at least, urban and rap is all we get. That's it. No pop, no rock, nothing. I mean, every now and then you'll get somebody, you know, like you got country music, you got Darius Rucker, but he was with Hootie and the Blowfish. And with pop music, you'll have every now the girl groups or uh, the female singers, you know, the women that sing, or, you know, you'll get that one bright spot of, uh, you know, new kind of artist that people just love to put on there, like, uh, like um, Lizzo, or I've randomly seen Meg put on pop stuff. And I guess that makes sense. But you don't really see it often. They like to downplay our ability to, you know, um, transcend the box that they've put us in. And what's funny is the idea that black musicians can't make anything more than rap or urban is an idea that comes from the minds of people that are very much aware of the truth, but they're purposely ignorant of the past. It's a bunch of old white men in a room that have actually watched hip-hop grow, that have actually watched men like Chuck Berry and Little Richard make rock music before they even thought about it. But to them, in their brain, in their twisted mental gymnastics brain, rock ends and begins with the Beatles. It ends and begins with the walrus and a fucking submarine. And I'm going to be honest with you. I hate the Beatles. I hate the Beatles for a multitude of reasons. The main reason I hate the Beatles is I have no idea what the hell is going on, and it seems like they're very similar to some artists that we have now, that they came out at the perfect time, that if they were anywhere near earlier or later, they wouldn't pop, they wouldn't be worth it. But along with that, the Beatles are just whack. It's some of the worst shit I've ever heard in my life. And I like some rock music. I love some Kiss. I love ACDC. But that old style of whatever the hell the Beatles were doing, and there's other rock music or rock and roll music from back then that I do dig, but the Beatles themselves quite literally get brought up more often in the conversation of hip-hop than the father, the creator, the originator, Chuck Berry, has ever been. And it's so frustrating because people don't actually care. They just want to hear about the Beatles. If you ask any white person over the age of 40, and you ask them, hey, you know, who's your favorite rock act, or who who was the first rock artist you heard? They'll say some bullshit like the Beatles or or Elvis. And if they say Elvis, oh boy, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Elvis has a quote about how he could never, how he was not the originator of rock, and how black people were doing this well before him, which is funny because, well. <laughs> Elvis stole from black people. It's a very interesting thing, but and I'm not I can't find the quote right off the bat. I tried to uh get it. Actually, no. Here it is. Elvis said, "A lot of people seem to think that I started this business, but rock and roll was here a long time before I came along. Nobody can sing that kind of music like colored people. Let's face it. I can't sing like Fats Domino can, and I know that." Listen, Elvis knew what it was, and I'm not a big fan of Elvis. Actually, I like uh, maybe one or two songs of him, but I've never actually thought that you had to be a great singer to be a great artist. But once again, there are other problems with Elvis. But right there, you can see a grown man admitting that, hey, 
I know I didn't start this, and I know where I stand, and I know that honestly, I'm just taking what I've been given. But no one else seems to get that. It's as if sometimes the artists are reading the room and their fans, maybe empowered by the artist, maybe not, are deciding to ignore exactly what's going on. But Elvis, at least in a moment of, of reprieve, actually decided to go ahead and admit that, hey, <laughs> I'm not the maker of this. I am not the real king. And that makes sense because he at least, you know, loved the music that he made. And when you find a musician that loves the music that they make, they love the actual art, they normally don't just sit there and eat up everything from everyone else and take credit for things they never should. So here it is. Here's where it goes. All this time, for years now, hip-hop has been slowly, slowly moving towards more rock. And I dig it. I fuck with it. I love some Nirvana. I love <clears throat> I love Nirvana. I love System of a Down. I, one of my favorite songs is Chop Suey. I like music as a whole. Probably the weakest ones that I don't like would be EDM and and that screamo. Not not rock, not hard metal, just screamo. You I think you guys know what I ah! You guys know what I mean. Anyway, but now you have people moving more and more towards rock. You had Wayne, in my opinion, not the first one to start doing it, but the first major artist to really start pushing for his artistic freedom and to do whatever the hell he needed. I mean, for God's sake, Wayne made a rock album. Uh, what was that, Rebirth? And I personally think it's not the greatest thing in the world. It's kind of horrible. But at least Wayne was willing to go ahead and put out his other love for music. That it wasn't just for rap. It wasn't just for rapping over a beat. It was that, hey, not only am I trying to make money here, which that album was a big money grab, but also I'm trying to actually express myself in ways that I want to go further than this rap thing. But you always had the crossovers of rap and rock. You had One Republic doing crossovers. Linkin Park with their rapping. Um, you had... Oh my God, Rage Against the Machine, one of my favorite groups in the world. And it's always been interesting to me because rock and rap just really work very well together. When you have a person who can rap well enough and you have rock, they work really well together. It's like they fit like a glove. But that makes sense because both of these genres were born and birthed by black people. So it's almost as if they were made and created to be together. And I can't wait until that becomes a thing where they are together. But it seems like we're going backwards here. Let me take a sip of coffee real quick. It seems like we're going backwards here. Because you have people like Juice World and Lil Uzi Vert and even Trippy Red. And I'll go through this list. But you have people like Juice World, who the last album that he made posthumously, rest in peace, that was released posthumously, was a very, very heavy EDM, well, it had like one EDM track on it, but a rock album. And his album before that had very heavy rock influences. And when I heard them, I thought, this is more rock than it is rap. But that was put into the rap category. You have people like Lil Uzi Vert that quite literally say they're a rock star, and we all know that being a rock star, being rock and roll, doesn't necessarily mean making rock music. It just means living that lifestyle. Bigger than life, you know, you know, big, eccentric everything, you know, jump on stage, stare at the sky, put your chin up, you know, crowd surf, things like that. It's just being, you know, 
carefree and living the life like you don't give a fuck. So we know that being a rock star isn't necessarily being rock. But Lil Uzi Vert, once again, who the longest time I thought Juice World sounded exactly like, makes rock music. A lot of the music that he uses, that he makes, is very rock. It is a rock background, but he raps over it, or he sings over it, or he just has a melody over it. And it's almost as if we have this situation where Juice World was making like a kind of amateur Nirvana, and and Luzi Vert was kind of just doing the most pop rock rap thing I've ever seen. But also, you can even go backwards to another, unfortunately, uh, lost star that we have, and you have Extentacion, who, quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, sounded like Nirvana to me. I know all of his music wasn't the same, but the music that I've listened to, and I've listened to a good chunk of it, a lot of it has this grunge feel. A lot of these rappers, overall, these younger rappers, what people would call the mumble rappers of the Lil generation, they all have this grunge feel. It's very depressed, undertone, deep, methodical, I don't give a fuck, I do drugs, I'm here to heal myself. It's very reminiscent of grunge, but in a very twisted 21st century way. And... That's beautiful. I absolutely love it. Trippy Red is honestly probably one of my favorites of the younger group of the younger acts, and his music is the most rock <laughs> that I've ever heard in my life, and I absolutely adore it. He has a song, um, uh, "Love Me More," and it's it's just straight up. It's it is rock, and the problem that we have right now is that these artists are being put in a box, and it's not fair to them. Because Juice World, rest in peace, XXXTentacion, rest in peace, Lil Uzi Vert and Trippy Red, they don't make just rap music. They make rock music. It is more attuned to rock than it is rap. Just because they rap a little bit over a beat doesn't mean they're rap. Because guess what? Linkin Park did the same thing. They did the same thing for years. Rage Against the Machine would do the same thing. But it seems as if for some reason these black people, these black artists, aren't given the ability to game a claim, a claim and get mass consideration and mass uh, critique and mass attention from the media for their actual music. They just get thrown into the rap category. And unfortunately now, if someone's been told, hey, this is a rapper, they tend to think, oh, well, he just shoots guns and all that stuff. And that's wrong in of itself. But... Even with that being said, they shouldn't even be in that situation. I'll be honest with you. Juice World, XXXTentacion, Trippy Red, Lose Vert, they're better than 90% of the rap or the rock artists that are out right now. And that doesn't mean they're technically better. It means their music is actually pushing for something. Their music is actually doing something. But they'll never be given that acclaim. They'll never be given that ability to be put in the proper category that they deserve to be put in. They'll never be given the ability to sweep the award show for rock. And it's really bizarre because rock is basically dead. Rock went through this very unfortunate situation where it was just scattered into a million types. You have pop rock, you have pop rock, you have punk rock, you have alternative rock, you have grunge. You have all of these kinds of rock, way different from back in the 80s and the 90s when you had just, you know, one or two. And... That tends to happen over the years with bigger type of genres that can continuously evolve. 
rap is currently going through that, but it's kind of being held together at the seams, well, because of the media, which is good and bad because you have artists like Juice World, Lil Vert, Trippy Red that cannot transcend their genre. But what's more interesting to me is you have people like Lil Peep. Now, I know that Lil Peep passed away, and once again, actually now that I'm thinking about it, it's really depressing to hear about all these young people pass away. A lot of them passed away before even they hit the age of 30. Now, I'm 25. I hope to hit 30. But it's very, very sad to talk about that and hear about that. But that's, that's a whole different subject. But Lil Peep is a very interesting case study to me. Because Lil Peep made rock music. I, I'm pretty... It's pretty clear to me that he made rock music. Lil Peep made more alternative rock slash grunge, whatever you want to call it, than really any of the artists I've mentioned. But what's really interesting, re- interesting is he got called a rapper. And a lot of the kids called him a rapper. But what's really interesting to me is it's almost as if I've heard way more times that he made rock kind of music than anyone else. Now, yes, his music was very fringe, but he gets the ability to even transcend in some smallest form. And that's where it is. Is it only because it's black people music? Is it only because it's black men or black women making this music that's the problem? Or what's the actual deal? Why are we not able to transcend a genre that we don't want to, or not don't want to, but want to do more with? And it's not as if we can't do rap anymore or we don't want to do rap anymore but rock was ours to begin with the fact that the media the fact that everyone doesn't seem to understand that is so 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 disappointing yet again we have another genre that is that was stolen from us and as much as i love rap as much as i adore rap as much as i protect rap because it is my favorite genre that i don't listen to as much because i listen to r&b way more I want to see the resurgence of rock. I want to see the beautiful blend of the two genres that were birthed from the black community to be brought together again, to be brought into the simultaneous field of musical and musical ingenuity so we can have that moment of beauty. I mean, these are the breaks is a rap song, but boy, oh boy, they had no idea what the hell they were doing. It, it had so many rock undertones, if you listen close enough, that it's actually hilarious. But a lot of early rap had that because rap is a genre of creativity and innovation. It's not a genre of pure creation. It's a genre of pure creativity because that's exactly where it was birthed. It was birthed from finding something out of nothing. It was birthed of creating something out of something else. So it's not like country or folk or blues or jazz where the music actually comes on a whole different altitude and a whole different plane of existence. Rap has always technically existed. What happened is we decided as, as a people to go ahead and recreate what we already created and make something new out of it. So you have rap, the genre of ingenuity and creativity, not creation, but creativity and the innovation that we've had with rap over the years has slowly brought us back to the roots of rock. And I want that. I can't wait for that. I need that. Because I'm going to be real with you. 2000s radio was my shit. I absolutely loved Fall Out Boy. I absolutely loved 
all of those punk pop rock bands, whatever you want to call it. I loved <laughs> Green Day. It, it, it's honestly the best genre. I'm not the best genre, the best time on the radio because everything was just fun. Everything was subtle undertones of depression. Everything was just there. And you didn't only have rock, you had rap too. And now that I hear this music, I just think, wow, maybe we'll get to the point where not only do we get that punk pop rock again that I do actually adore, that I do love, that got me through middle school, but also maybe we'll get the the blend, the simultaneous beautiful blend of these two genres together, of these two beautiful creations together so that I can once again enjoy it, but all at once and not have to listen to a break. But speaking of a break, I'm going to go actually get some more coffee. So I'm going to leave you guys with this. I'll be right back. back of my bullshit anyway so let's go ahead and get to the next topic here shonda rhimes if you don't know who shonda rhimes is let me just go ahead and point something out i'll just i'll just tell you real quick give you give you a quick rundown of who shonda rhimes is shonda rhimes is a beautiful black woman the end i'm just kidding that is true shonda rhimes is a beautiful black woman a very powerful beautiful black woman a, a beacon of creativity and a fucking boss when it comes down to it but shonda rhimes is the producer, the creator of Grey's Anatomy. She's the head writer of Grey's Anatomy. If you know anything about Grey's Anatomy, you know one thing, and that is that every single white woman loves Grey's Anatomy. It is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and it really truly is. Grey's Anatomy is a cultural treasure, I would say Grey's Anatomy is the show that created or birthed other shows like This Is Us or Chicago PD or Chicago Fire. Those shows that try to give you an insight of what the world of those people look like, of you know firefighters or doctors, whatever it may be, but also intertwine issues within there. Shonda Rhimes is the woman who created that. Now, the reason I'm talking about Shonda Rhimes, oh, and she also created Thriller, um, not Thriller, Scandal, but the reason I'm talking about Shonda Rhimes is because Shonda Rhimes did what she had to do and got business done. So, now when I tell you that someone created one of the biggest shows ever, when I tell you that someone is the showrunner for one of the biggest shows ever, you would think that they have a kind of, a, a level of, of respectability that they have numbers to people that they can call to get things done. Well, that's exactly where we're going with Shonda Rhimes. So she was trying to get tickets to Disneyland, um, as she normally would, I guess. And she had a number that she was supposed to call, that she, she was given these uh, tickets to Disneyland. But basically, she needed another ticket, so or two more tickets. So after getting those tickets... She, after calling to get those tickets, she was told, no, we don't do that. Or you've already reached your limit of how many you can get. Now, a smart person would say, hmm, what's your name? 
Shonda Rhimes, that sounds familiar. Let me look into that. And they would, you know, give her the you know, tickets that she's asking for. But instead, what happened was Shonda Rhimes was told no. And then she had to get in contact with a higher VP, a more executive board person. And they basically told her, well, don't you already have enough? Now, freeze frame. Shonda Rhimes is very important to ABC, or was very important to ABC, because she is your creative muse. She is the one that everything ebbs and flows by on a large scale for your creative ability, for all of your creative inventions. And for you to say that to her, kind of to me at least, sounds nuts. Now to other people that live and work in showbiz, they're probably like, well, no, that makes sense. You know, ABC, they have a deal, whatever. Listen, creative people need to gain the respect. They need to be respected at the level that they should be. And that's exactly what leads us here. Shonda basically hung up what she got. Like I said, she got the tickets, but one of them didn't work. And that's when she called the executive. Sorry for speaking out of, out of order there. And that's when the executive told her, well, don't you have enough? She hung up politely, said, that's all called her lawyer and said, give me out this contract, and if you don't, I'll get someone else to do it. And that's where we go now to Shonda Rhimes entering a deal with Netflix back in 2017. Now, the reason this is brought up right now, or the reason I'm bringing it up right now, is that right now we have a lot of brands, a lot of, um, a lot of websites, a lot of uh, enterprises, a lot of companies reaching out and trying to gain support of black creatives, of black artists, of black producers, screenwriters, authors, musicians, whatever it may be. And what needs to be maintained, and this isn't only for black creatives, but I am speaking to black creatives, what needs to be maintained is that energy that Shonda brought in the room. Um, or I don't think she left in 2017. I may have spoken wrong there. But anyway, um, that's when it needs that's what needs to be brought and state sorry that energy needs to be kept and maintained the energy that hey yeah i'm a creative and maybe i don't know the most about this money situation but i do know two things you can't live without me see if i don't make for you all of these beautiful creations well then you know what happens you don't get anything you're not given a single thing you wouldn't have gray's anatomy you wouldn't have Scandal. You wouldn't have even, she's just an executive producer on How to Get Away with Murder, but she obviously placed her bets in the right place because How to Get Away with Murder was a very big hit. So you wouldn't have these things without me. So for me to call you, and I clearly have a number, which is already enough. If I have a number to you or I can get your number, I'm probably important enough. So for you to tell me that, ah, don't you already have enough? Yeah, that's not how this should work. You need me just as much, if actually more, than I need you. Because you might be an executive who knows money stuff, but tell me right now one executive that can actually create a show like Grey's Anatomy. Not a single one of them. None of them know how to. None of them have the creative capacity to do so. So right now, during this horrible, horrible, horrible pandemic, right now, where everyone's sitting at home and has nothing else to do, where everyone's trying to stay healthy, where everyone's trying to take care of their family, which, once again, I do hope everyone is staying healthy and safe. Please stop going to bars. Please stop going to parties. Let's get through this so we can enjoy our lives outside again. 
But during this time where that energy is in the room, let's keep that energy going. Spend that time to know your self-worth. It's been way too long. The creatives, the people that are creating and making and and just completely reorganizing and recalibrating the the air in the room, the 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 <clears throat> excuse me, the air in the room, the genres that are being made. It's been too long that the people that do the actual hard work are underestimated and underappreciated. We deserve to be in those rooms, not only because we've made something, but because we actually are the reason that it's there. I don't know how we got to the point or how it ever was created to the point where, oh yeah, they're the creator, but I'm the producer. I'm the person who paid for it. I'm the executive producer. I paid for it. It doesn't matter if you paid for it. Yeah, you helped and you do get your slice of the pie. Boo-hoo, have a good day. But at the end of the day, just because you paid for it doesn't mean that you actually ever could have made it because you wouldn't, because you're not capable of it. It takes a different brain to create Grey's Anatomy, a very different brain to create Grey's Anatomy. Now, I don't watch Grey's Anatomy because it's just not something that I watch, but I have watched it enough to say, this is great writing and I get what's going on here. There's a lot going on here. So when a black woman that creates a show that primarily white women love, that you, and by you, I mean, let's be honest, these board writers are all, not these board writers, but these executive producers, these VP level guys are all mostly white old men with fading hairlines and thinning hair. They need to understand that she created something that you not only are making money off of, and I'm sure she was <laughs> well compensated for, but also that it takes a whole different brain to do that and that doing that alone should gain me the respect that if I call you for a $154 ticket, it's not because I don't have the money. It's because you should be feeling like you owe me too. Just as much as I owe you a new script, you owe me that simple $154 ticket. So Shonda wasn't being some stuck up asshole. Shonda just read the room and said, you know what? If I can't get a $154 ticket, if I can't be appreciated to the point where I get a $154 ticket from ABC, and if I'm correct, ABC is owned by Disney, and I might be wrong there, but either way, if I can't get that simple ticket, what the hell do you actually think of me? You probably don't think much if I've already had enough. So yeah, I'm going to get out of this deal and I'm going to go to Netflix. Netflix, where they let you make whatever the hell you want, it seems. I mean, Kenya, ba Kenya Barris, creator of Blackish, had a similar situation. He left, I believe, NBC because they wouldn't let him do his little Trump episode, basically. So he said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and get up out of here and I'm going to create the same exact show over at Netflix. Because the show that Kenya Barris has on Netflix... Is pretty much the same show. It's just more in your face. <laughs> in your face about being black in a very different way. It's just called black as fuck instead of blackish. And, of course, he's enjoying his ability to create and be who he wants to be over there. Kenya Barr signed a $100 million Netflix deal, and I haven't heard a single peep out of him yet about how he doesn't like it. He enjoys it. He is loving it. But... Mm. you know, we'll see in the next coming years as to how that's going to go. 
we'll see what's going to be coming in the next coming years of what exactly happens um, with the idea of him being at Netflix or all these creators being at Netflix. Um, as I'm talking to you, I actually just looked this up. It looks like Kenya Boris is actually going to be looking for more than just being paid. And, and that's, that's another conversation. He's looking for equity. It looks like you know, it's been two years since his deal into Netflix, and I guess apparently he's eyeing an early exit to be an equity holder with another company, with Viacom CBS. And that's a good move because, and this isn't just me kissing ass, it's true. Is it enough to just be a creator? If, if I put it this way, if Shonda Rhimes was an equity holder, a, a large equity holder, a considerable equity holder at ABC, if she called, um, yeah, at ABC, if she called, and I misspoke earlier, by the way, um, he was on ABC too. Um, if she called and said, hey, give me this ticket, there wouldn't be a question, right? So the idea that Kenya Barris is trying to, it seems, it says uh, the prolific, and I'm getting this from Hollywood reporters, so, you know, temper your, temper your, uh, <laughs> what you uh, hear here, but uh, the prolific producer ABC's Blackish and its Disney-owned spinoffs is said to be in talks of Viacom CBS on his next act, a studio venture with the media giant. Now, if he can actually gain equity within a larger company, that puts him at the front of the conversation. Because now you're not just a creator, which, by the way, once again, should be enough. Being just a creator, quote-unquote, just a creator, should be enough. But apparently it isn't. So the idea that he's trying to squeeze his way in into being an actual equity holder, I'm with that. And it makes a lot of sense to me because then you have a way to say, listen, not only am I creating this shit, but also I'm at this table because I have a, pie, a piece of this pie. Now, to be honest, the creator should have the whole entire pie and the executive should have a small corner. That's my opinion. But this is a step in the right direction because everywhere you turn, you have creatives, especially black creatives, saying, listen, I need more. I need more than just a check. I need more than just, you know, oh, this and that. I need this to be explained as to why I'm not getting it. And I need this to be redone because I need more equity. And you have Joe Budden leaving Spotify saying, I'm not going to just let y'all fuck me with this money. It's kind of insane to me that you can just take all this money, make millions and billions of dollars, and then give me a small check. And whether or not a couple million is a small check, you can take it as you see it. But I'll put it this way. Joe Rogan is being censored on on Spotify, and he can be censored on Spotify. censored on Spotify. Why? Because Spotify bought the rights to his stuff. He gave up the ability to do what he wants to do because he wanted a check, and that makes sense. And if he did make $100 million or whatever that number was, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But if you want to have your creative freedom, you have to get out of that range of that. And it's not only Spotify. I mean, you have all of these DSPs, all of these people. I mean, this podcast goes on Spotify. All of these companies that want creatives to come to them. They say, you know, come to me, come to me. I I'll give you money. I'll give you money. And it seems like the moment someone says, how about I get a piece of the pie? They go, no, go away, go away. You're bad, you're bad, you're bad. You're just wanting too much. You're wanting too much. It's insane. Like, do you guys know how much a stream is worth? I'm going to double check this. A stream is worth absolutely nothing. 
One stream, one stream is worth less than a penny. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on one second. A stream is worth zero. Hold on a second. Let me get this correct. Okay, so basically, a stream on Spotify for paid artists is worth 0.0032 cents. Apple Music averages at 0.0056 cents. <clears throat> and Google Play is 0.0055. And Deezer is 0.00436. So basically, this is my way of telling you, no one who is actually making music the way that they do, that's actually doing what they do, is making nearly as much as they should. And these are just created arbitrary numbers. These are just numbers that someone came up with in a room because they said, you know, if you if you add this, subtract this, multiply the Pythagorean theorem, throw it in the air and add pi, you get this. That's exactly what they're doing. And I've seen YouTube videos of people saying, hey, I had a million streams, and guess what? I made $5,000. That's kind of insane. To say I made I had five million streams and I or I had a million streams and I made five thousand dollars. Like I know that people can stream you know, can you know just uh stream farm, but that doesn't sound off to y'all. That's 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 pretty far off to me it seems. But then you have new players in the game like TikTok. TikTok is currently trying to act like there's something different, but to be honest with you, they're the same thing. They're a little bit better, but from what data shows, 100,000 views would generate approximately $3,000 in revenue. So, I mean, what is that? That's not a bad exchange. Is that 0 0.030 cents per view? Yeah, I think that is. So that's not horrible, but it's not great either. You're not making much of what you're giving them. So it comes down to what exactly is your integrity worth, at least to me. How much is your integrity worth? And I'm not making any money off this podcast. I don't probably plan to ever make money off this podcast. I'm making this podcast to give more insight to people and to just get stuff off my mind about how the world is moving and how the world works. And that brings me to what I've been going through. Now, obviously, I have been gone since, jeesh, let's look, let's see. Let's see how long I've actually been gone <clears throat> off of podcasting. The last podcast I dropped was, <laughs> holy shit, <clears throat> was in July, July 12th, 2020. I have been gone for a very long time. I have been gone for four months, and... I'll be honest with you guys, I just was coming on here and it felt like I was doing everything that I didn't want to do. I was just talking about shit that I didn't really want to talk about. And I, for a long time, I've been sitting here and I've been watching YouTube and I've been watching other creatives that seem to have gone through the same thing that I went through. A lot of creatives that seem to have the same feelings that I was having. And I learned from, uh, I forgot what, his, what the YouTuber's name is. Uh, a few of them, but uh, Blasian FMA, he's a uh, gay, uh, black and Asian man, um, is one of them that I was watching, but basically, and Omni, another black creative, 
I was watching a lot of them, a lot of the, you know, not big YouTubers that seem to just do it because they love to. And because they want to just talk to someone and they want to have something to say. And I came out of it thinking to myself, yeah, I've been looking at this the wrong way. The entire time I've been saying, hey, do this because you want to. Hey, do this because you want to. But in reality, I, I wasn't doing it because I wanted to even. I was kind of in this pseudo way doing things because, well, I felt like I, I, I had to in a way because I'd feel dumb if I let go of my podcast. But also because I felt like I had to put on this front. So there's no more front, basically. It's all me. It's everything is me. And I'm talking about what I want to. So this is the reboot. This is the rebrand. This is the renegotiation of the contract that I created with you guys. I'm here again. I don't have a set date that I'm going to be dropping. But I'm here again. You hear me at least twice a month. I'm not leaving anymore. I'm going to be here. No matter if it's five of you, no matter if it's 20 of you, no matter if it's 100,000 of you, I'm going to be here no matter what happens. I did get rid of the Discord because I just didn't want to do it anymore. So maybe I'll bring that back at some point. But right now, this is me telling you, my name is Daryl. My name is Levante. My name is Boda. And I'm back. And I'm not leaving. And I'll be here again. And I'll talk to you guys soon. But until then, remember, water your melanin and mental health it's just important physical health. I'll talk to y'all later. Peace. Oh, yeah, and before I put the exit out there, I wanted to say something really quickly here. I appreciate anyone who has been going back and listening, or maybe the new people that have jumped onto the podcast and started listening. I just happen to be looking at the uh, streams, and you guys have been keeping me afloat. Um, it seems like either there's new people or maybe there's a bunch of bots, but... You guys brought in over a, oh, let's see, over 2K streams over the last two months, over the last four months, and that's cool. That's that's awesome. But I'm going to do something else here also. I'm going to stop looking at the stream count. I don't want to look at it anymore because maybe it is changing the way I approach this. So I'm done with that. I'm going to put the podcast out, and I'm going to go forward. So once again, my name is Levante. My name is Daryl. My bad, I did that wrong. My name is Daryl. My name is Levante. My name is Buddha. I'll talk to you guys again soon. And remember, water your melanin and mental health is just as important as physical health. I'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Damn it, I don't have the outro because I got a new computer. Fuck it. I'll just make it up. That's the end of the podcast. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs>